Welcome in to Two Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of Two Foreign Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast today on the show. Oh my goodness. We are going to go over the most egregious Madden ratings in Madden 2022. We're also going to look at who would we put as 99 overall players in college football. And then guess who joins the show? Our guy, aka Santa Claus. The Athletics' Bruce Feldman talks about his freaks list. He was really, really cool to give us uh, you know, 15, 20 minutes to talk about the list and his methodology, some key players there. In the back end, interviews with Colorado State, Colorado State head coach Steve Adazio, Georgia Tech quarterback Jeff Sims, and then Wake Forest wide receiver Jakari Robertson. It's going to be an absolute treat, fellas. Let's get it. my god this show is loaded my guy this thing is an absolute house a brick house a beef house however house you want i've got it for you it's a beef um, house. it might be an apartment building i don't know but here we are let's start with i don't even want to get into stories i don't your your life sucks let's get into some story let's get into the legit meat of the show here starting with can we start with the college football madden rating players and, st- and then go into nfl madden okay or do you want to close we could start with college. Okay. Probably go with the ninety-nine club. Yeah. Who college. is your ninety-nine club in college football? I guess give us give us your first name. Okay, so you got to keep the ninety-nine club tight. Ninety-nine club's not for you know the faint of heart. It's for guys who are special at their respective positions. Yeah. Not just going to give out a ninety-nine club entrance to you know Sam Howell. He's not a ninety-nine clubber. Fair He's a very good quarterback. Fair enough. But Trevor Lawrence is a ninety-nine clubber. Justin Fields was a ninety-nine clubber. Those were guys who belonged to that conversation. I don't think this quarterback class does. So the position I'm going to start with that I think there's 99 clubber is running back, and it's sophomore Tank Bigsby out of Auburn. Not draft eligible, so technically doesn't belong in the show yet. But go watch the tape. He's a dude. I mean, he is the best size, speed, movement, skills, ability at the running back position in college football right now. The dude just has it. Um, he's going to be a special, special player. Um, now I, I don't think there's anyone necessarily, you know, I don't think Brees Hall, he'd be the tops I'd say of the draft eligible running backs for your, you know, NCAA football, 22 hypothetical ratings, but not mid nineties at best. He's not a nine, nine clubber. How quickly are you going to get, by the way, before I jump into the tank Bigsby analysis here, how quickly are you going to get NCAA 2022 or 2023? Like oh, that man. is a must purchase. I mean, we might have to play it like on the pod. Like, so that's going to be absurd. Yeah. I don't know if I've told this story before, but I had Uh-oh. quit video games uh, after college because I used to play somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to 12 hours a day during what? my college career. Disaster. I, played, <laughs> I was addicted to Halo 3. So I had to quit to be a member of society. It's very good at Halo 3, but I had to quit. I fucking hope so. <laughs> and really haven't played video games since. I only play them very casually. Don't I don't buy video games myself. I'll play them with when other people are playing them at other people's places. But that might be the first game to buy. You have to I might it. have to cop it. You I mean, literally have might, to do I'm it. I'm going to buy it. it was, I used to spend so much time on 07, I want to say. It was the one with Reggie Bush on the cover, and it had, it had Steve Slayton and Pat White. And I would always be West Virginia. There you go. There you go. I love the running the wing T too. That was before, obviously, like the NFL kind of, you know, the Madden game started to put a little bit of it in there. But honestly, NCAA 13, 14, I was running wing T with like every school in the country having a good time. Tank Bigsby, former five star, six foot, 204, and is a true freshman in the SEC. 
ran an 86.9 PFF rushing grade and over 20 uh, runs of 10-plus yards, was really fantastic breaking tackles. He had 14 broken tackles against Arkansas alone and then had finished with 47 on the year. You don't see those types of numbers in the SEC. I think a good good context for the broken tackle numbers are when you look at some of the best broken tackle rates in in the college era at PFF. We've been doing this since 2014. It's normally the Big 12. The Big 12, you see a lot of Oklahoma backs break that, and then you see this past year, Javante Williams in the ACC. You don't see these broken tackle numbers in the SEC. These are rare, rare numbers, and especially for a kid who's only 18, 19 years old. Like, that is just absurd. And I was going to say, the biggest thing to keep in context there is not only is it in the SEC, it is only SEC. They didn't get the cupcakes that Fair. the SEC usually gets. Well, they, Arkansas... Okay, but yeah. But they only played... <laughs> Each other, they were not playing the Citadels of the world, the South Alabamas of the world. They were not getting these cupcakes to shred tackles left and right on to pad those numbers. These were only supposedly a solid competition, game in, game out. These next four guys we talked a ton on on the Monday episode because they're all four of these guys are on the freaks list. But the next one on your list is Evan Neal. You didn't call him a top five, top ten lock in 2022, but you're calling him a 99 overall player in NCAA 2023 or whatever. Yeah, because he's going to have all these sort of athletic markers pumped up Mm -hmm. in that game. For obvious reason, you're the number one freak on Bruce Hill's freaks list. He's got the goods there. And as a sophomore, 86.4 run blocking grade, 73.1 pass blocking grade only getting better i i feel comfortable about him in the 99 club and i feel comfortable about tyler linderbaum the iowa center on the office line as well being in the 99 club probably i'm gonna say it gonna be the best off better than gonna be the best center prospect that we've seen in the pff era and the last one would probably be Ragnow. frank right? Ragnow, correct so tyler linderbaum better than frank Ragnow. two guys that have absurd athleticism i think they were both top 10 on bruce feldman's freaks list Ragnall was back then. Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about Linderbaum and Neal. Oh. I don't know what Ragnall was. Linderbaum was, yeah. Yeah, Linderbaum and Neal are both top 10. Next one here, and this is a crazy stat. I mean, crazy little anecdote from the Feldman interview, which you should listen to after this. But Derek Stingley Jr. is supposed to be playing wide receiver this year. That's been like the rumor. They've been planning this since he got there. They, they told him when he got there that three years in, we're going to try and play on the offense side of the ball too. I didn't know. I thought it was just like, hey, this guy's really good. We might as well fucking do it. But that, that seems absurd. I, I can't believe that. That is crazy to me. That's, especially since you're obviously not practicing day to day for it, but that's the plan is, hey, in your third year, you can do it. But I mean, maybe they want him to get used to the position and develop because obviously like as a true freshman, he was a starter. Yeah, that is that you don't need him. You don't want to risk his development on that side. And they had Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Like they were like, hey, you're not playing wide receiver and you're true freshman. wasn't taking away any time from those guys for sure. They were saying, hey, when Chase leaves and Jefferson leaves and this receiving core at LSU is kind of young, maybe we need him to step up. If he plays, if he runs 10, 15 routes a game, I'll throw up. I'll I'll throw up every week. I did used to love to do that in NCAA when you're playing the dynasty. It's just like flip that guy from CB to wide receiver, vice versa, just just to see what they'd be at the other position. So yeah, Derek Stingley, the 99 club, that was obvious, probably expected from frequent two foreign drafts listeners here and the last one here was a total homer selection kind of nope. ridiculous in my opinion i don't think notre dame safety kyle hamilton i'm still putting some of these other safeties in this class up there in the upper 90s 95 plus like brandon joseph jordan battle but hamilton the only safety getting that 99 honor there's my 99 club tank bigsby evan neal tyler Lundebaum, Derek derek jr and kyle hamilton and you can't fucking argue against kyle hamilton i would entertain any anyone to try to disagree with that selection of it you can't <laughs> but right, maybe we will not a maybe pick. we will um were there anyone's anyone else kind of on the outside looking in that you want to bring up yeah i mean cave on thibodeau people are going to pump him up I, I just don't think he's quite there from the 
skill aspect of it to join the 99 club could very well do it soon i thought i think you know clemson defensive tackle brian breezy could as well obviously after his freshman year it was the highest pass rushing grade of any true freshman last year was the number one overall recruit could join that here soon but i believe it when i see it with those guys these five i mentioned we've seen it and i believe it and I know they're 99s. Man, I can't wait for that game. I mean, how many 99s can you really put in college football? Because you also have, like, I mean, group of five. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they freaking I mean, when you recruit like I used to in college football game, you get you get a few 99s Stop. every year. You're not recruiting shit, dude. You're trash at that game. Everyone knows that. That's why you don't bring it up. All right, that's why you had to quit. It's not because you were playing too much. It's just everyone was just dogging. I played all the time and still wasn't good. There was one time uh, when I was going to Raiders games with my dad. There was a time where I was, like, a really young – I think it was Madden 2008. And uh, the, the adults were playing. I was just kids. And, and this guy quit. It's like – 35 year old guy quit Rage at halftime because he was 28 0. I wasn't playing him. And I was like, I'll play, I'll pick up for him. I came back and won. I was Chris Johnson with the Tennessee Titans. It was, I was going against the Rams. I'll never forget that moment. And maybe he let me win. I was young enough to maybe that he fooled me like that, but uh, it was pretty sick. All right. For NFL Madden ratings, you have two quarterbacks listed as the most egregious listings here. Go ahead and read them off. Yeah. So obviously, you can go to the Madden website to see them all. We're not going to read them all off, mm-hmm. but. <sighs> It's, it, it was hard for me to pick which one's more egregious. The fact that Aaron Rodgers, after an MVP season, still isn't a 99. Is is the not even just not a 99. He's the third highest graded quarterback in the game. He's got Tom Brady ahead of him. That one's absurd. I to don't me. think that's absurd. I mean, did you watch the most play last year? I know one loss to the other, but that's one game over the course of a full season where one decidedly outplayed the other over the year. So I'll just say that one's also 44. But the other one, I'm not. The biggest defender of this guy. It is Kirk Cousins. But to give him a 79 in this game, to give him one more than Ben Roethlisberger, two behind Derek Carr, slap in the face. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. To give him, an, give him eight below Ryan Tannehill, I, no. Just no. That's that's way too low for him. That's- I, I don't want to get into this Madden rating garbage. I'm even ups- upset that I let you have this as a segment on here. But like, how do they disguise the, like design like the catching for the quarterbacks? The quarterbacks? Like Aaron Rodgers has a 47 catching, and Lamar Jackson has a 26. Are they like pulling that out of their ass? Like, I don't understand how they even have that big of a disparity. Well, I do love that they gave Ryan Tannehill a 76 for catching because he did play wide receiver. Thank God, you know. But Russell Wilson has a 68. He's not even that far off. I, well, he played I, baseball. Obviously, do they go back and watch high school tape? Do they go back and watch high school tape? I don't, I don't know. really know. I, I do. don't really have another egregious quarterback here. I think I'm, I'm not going to be really big on this one. I think all of these are kind of ridiculous, but here we are. I do. I will say this about Madden ratings. People shit on them. People shit on PFF ratings. It's because you can put down 100 perfect ratings and everyone just nods their head and says yes. But you put down one egregious one and everyone all, all of a sudden says they're shit. So I, I, I get that this is not an easy job to do. Yeah. But it's not an easy job to do, and also like I think a lot of it we're is, very qualified to do this because we get shit on. Like, I mean, this. how much of this is also out of their control? Like, is Madden gonna let like the people who come up with these ratings dictate like who's the best in the game? Like, imagine if they came up with a system like, yeah, Tom Brady's actually like a six best quarterback. It's like nobody, he's on the cover, idiot. We yeah. have to bump his rating up. Like, that, that's okay. a fact. Like, that's a fact. Like, the marketing of this game matters way more than what anyone thinks the actual talent level of these players are. But I always bring the business side. You know, I always talk about like the spot, the revenue, and all this shit. But before we get to the running backs. I forgot to tell you before you jumped in, Western Southern, 
Big sponsor of the Two for One Drafts podcast. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions like when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them backed by over 130 years of experience. Together, we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Western Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. We are on to running backs. Most egregious, two Colts backs, 84 overall for Marlon Mack, 83 for Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor was the third leading rusher in the NFL last year. Marlon Mack was his backup, and it wasn't even healthy. I don't understand. That one, I I just don't know. I don't get that one. I mean, that one that one doesn't even need an explanation. We can just keep, go on to wide receivers. We obviously don't. Running back's not our bag here at PFF, but I think we can we can ourselves deduce that one. I kind of want to go over some other ratings. Earnestly. I kind of want to look at some others. <laughs> I think that some of these things are, are always interesting. I mean, Aaron Jones at 91, Saquon Barkley at 90. How much of that is injury? Josh Jacobs ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe I do get on board with that. I mean, again, James Robinson already in 86 and Raheem Mostert's the same. If that doesn't say running backs don't matter, is Madden on our side? Is Madden <laughs> on our side? They have James Robinson and Raheem Mostert over Austin Eckler. I, I, yeah, I can't, I can't get on board with that. that. Austin Eckler, I would argue, is better than Chris Carson. Chris Carson is the same rating as fucking Kareem Hunt. Uh, th- 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 this is just, I, again, I, why did we do this as a segment? I will not understand. I love this. <laughs> we'll great. continue. Wide receiver, your most egregious wide receiver rating. This was not only the most egregious wide receiver rating. This was the most egregious rating, full stop. <laughs> they have A.J. Brown as an 86 in the game. A.J. Brown. Could be the third or fourth best wide receiver in the NFL. Very, very non-debatably, I'll say. Like people wouldn't, you could say he's a top five wide receiver, and I don't think a lot of people would bat too much of an eye about that. Behind the likes of Robbie Anderson, Robert Woods, and I don't, I don't mean, I'm not trying to shit on those guys, but I don't think anyone in the right minds. No, would the, say the, that. you, you, you gave the wrong context. Tyler Lockett. You gave the wrong context here. I don't care who's ahead of him. The same rating was given to fucking Cole Beasley. Uh, okay. Cole well, Beasley go. got an 86, and AJ Brown got an 86. Yeah. Full, just end end the conversation. Well, and also, who's his face that we just said? James Robinson also has an 86. So yeah. Well, the over. I don't compare cross okay. positions. Don't compare cross positions. The PFF you never special. know. PFF special. You never know. But if you have, the, if AJ Brown has the same rating as Cole Beasley, there's something broken. There's a, there's a broken piece there, in my opinion. Because again, Madden ratings don't. Don't compare Madden ratings. I'm looking at the camera. Don't compare Madden ratings to PFF grades. PFF grades are across the sample size. You were this grade in 2020. They are not, you're this graded player and this is how good you are. You know, projecting. It's how you played, it's not how Yeah, it's how you played, not how you're going to play. Madden rings are how you're going to play in this game. Like how good you are as a receiver. Comparing them to PFF grades is false because their previous performance, whatever. So if you're saying entering the 2021 season, the same rating for the same thing, A.J. Brown and Cole Beasley, like, I don't know. Like, I do think that, that's a little ridiculous. I mean, A.J. Brown has 93 acceleration. Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley has 88. I don't know. I don't know if I can get on board with that. That just feels a little tight. That feels a little tight. But, um, and that's not even bringing up all the vaccine stuff with Cole Beasley. That's that's <laughs> purely on field. Awareness for Cole Beasley, 90? I mean, how how are we, how are we even, <laughs> how's this even a conversation? All right, uh, let's get off that's the hating on um, the wide receivers. This has been a fun segment. I'm actually having a yeah. good time. All right, tight end here. Most egregious tight end ranking for you. It's Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron has been an afterthought of a lot of passing offenses. He averaged 1.18 yards per route last year. Barely scraped to 10 yards of reception. 
for 558 yards. I get that he had 558 yards, but he was in a very pass-heavy offense. And he's an 83 in this game. An 83. I love how you keep saying in this game. In this game. <laughs> I love how serious this conversation is. <laughs> I mean, John Smith's an 81. Cal Pitts is an 81. That's... No, Eric Ebron is just not... He's not a, like... I don't, 83 suggests a starting quality, whatever, at your position. That's just not... I don't want to shit up too much, but yeah. apparently I just did. I, I, I honestly have no comments on the tight end stuff. Tight ends are hard. I mean, the sample sizes are small, but they do have, you know, Tommy Tremble at a 70 already, which I think is kind of hot. Ooh, Tommy Tremble, nice. Uh, better than Albert Okui Bunam, Ian Thomas. Kelvin Benjamin's a 69 tight end. Hey. That's not bad. Decent talent. All right, off of the tight ends here, let's get to offensive tackle. Egregious. Where's the egregiousness? They have Orlando Brown and Mekhi Becton as 82s. I mean, Mekhi Becton is just the far superior tackle at this point. And now there's a few other ones on the tackle list that I, I would say are iffy. But that one's just no one. no one's taking one over the other. Yeah, but how much of that is like projecting? Or you're saying like for Even one just play from last year? Yeah, what we saw from them. They also split left tackle and right tackle, don't they? Well, yeah, they have the whole how they break up positions. Different story altogether. That's for a different day. But <laughs> that rating is the most egregious tackle rating, in my opinion. Or Dwayne Brown at ninety three was right above them because Dwayne Brown was fantastic, perennial top. 12 to 15 tackle and he's an 83 he's he's eric ebron good for tackles don't compare across positions you piece of shit all right into your offensive line go alex mack oh this is this is the pedigree this one's the we got to give it to him he's the name <laughs> even though he clearly had lost it this contract this year that he signed said as much 65.9 pff grade last year and he is an 86 in this game not, not so bueno. You probably can't do that, you know, with Alex Mack. How good is Alex? How, where would you just, rank Alex Mack right now among centers? Um, is he a starter? Yeah, he's maybe like twenty fourth, twenty fifth best center in the league, somewhere in that range. He reminds me of. I mean, it kind of reminds me of like Jeff Saturday leaving the Colts, going like everyone kind of knew. Mm -hmm. You try to get one last hurrah out of him. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. Packers could not. So we'll see if the 49ers have better luck. Before we get to defense, college football season is just around the corner. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly. If you bet $1 or more on any college football game this year, DraftKings Sportsbook is a safe, secure, and reliable sportsbook located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF. That's PFF to receive $200 in free bets when you place $1 bet, a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code PFF to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 years or older New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania new customers only restrictions apply see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT with it we go to defense or no yes defense defensive tackle 92 for Chris Jones that is obviously too low Obviously, too. How is he not a 95-plus player? Yeah, I mean, he is one of the closest thing to Aaron Donald. It's not, like, particularly close, but 
he is as dominant a defensive tackle as Pat, from a passing perspective as we've seen, not named Aaron Donald, going back 15 years of PFF grades. He had a 93.1 pass rush from this past year. He was as good as it gets, as good as we've seen outside Aaron Donald. And he's like 92 is, that's like the fourth, fifth best player for a respective position at pretty much any other position. That's a, it's just too low. I just I mean, know they, they got Fletcher Cox ahead of him. And again, that's, that's a very much, not to shit on Fletcher Cox, he's a great player, but that's just kind of, that's a pure reputation play to give him what, that grade at this point in his career. I just noticed that 30. both Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett play right end in this game too, which yes. is an interesting position designation. Um, I do think that the that is egregious, and it looks even worse when you look at defensive end or right end, left end, whatever it's being called in the game. I do think that something that's absurd is J.J. Watt is a 94, two points above Chris Jones right now. Two points above Chris Jones, and better than even Cameron Jordan. I mean, like J.J. Watt, where where's J.J. Watt for you right now among defensive ends? Oh, gosh. I mean, outside the top 10. Yeah, and he's right now number three, yeah. or I guess number two behind Miles Garrett. He's the second best defensive end in this game. Yeah. That I can't get on board with. Can't get more with. All right. Defensive end for you, what was the most egregious? Defensive end for me, there's – I didn't want to shit too much on anyone at the high end, especially with one that was a friend of the pod. That's a 90. Plays for the Ravens that I want. He's a great friend of the pod. Nick Bosa? But that was a little too high. No, no, Clay is Campbell. <laughs> but the one I'll say is Montez Sweat is the same in this game as the likes of – Michael Brockers, Hassan Reddick, and Emmanuel Ogba. Ask any GM in the world right now who they want on their team. Between Montez Sweat and Emmanuel Ogba? Emmanuel Ogba, Hassan Reddick, and Michael Brockers. Now, Michael, Michael Brockers, Brockers is also an 82? A, a little bit of a different position, but in this game, they're listed at the same position. It's hard to say. And also, Dexter Lawrence is listed at the same position as Montez Sweat, which <laughs> I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm losing, losing my train of thought here trying to keep track of all this. <laughs> But just the comparison you need to know is Montez Sweat's an 82. So is Son Reddick, Michael Brockers, and Manuel Ogba. This next one for linebackers is incredible. Rashawn yeah. Evans. This is an inner team one. Yeah. Rashawn Evans at an 84, and then his teammate, Jayon Brown, at a literal 82. Again. Yeah. I think Rashawn Evans is a pedigree, the, right? It's first rounder. It's speed. It's the it's, first, it's the but pedigree. it's also like so so much of this overall rating is a formula coming from like what their, their combine attributes are yeah. and if your attributes are high your overall ratings can be high that's why i do think that like again we're, take this with a grain of salt if you're listening madden who are we are we're friends with the guys from madden if you're listening we understand yeah. you know the struggle like the struggle is that you're trying to give people the right ratings like the right attributes and then that leads to some formula that produces this overall rating and that's what like oh you think this guy's better than this guy that's difficult i i'm sure they also don't have any control on whether dexter lawrence is a left end and montez sweat is a left end. Oh, i don't think they have any yeah, yeah. position designation control at least i'd hope not at least i'd hope not but rashawn evans being 84 and jan brown being 82 and i mean jan brown's just been the better linebacker over the last like three years for them that one feels a little egregious. Any other linebacker ones that kind of got you got you excited at least? Fred Warner's the number one linebacker at ninety four. Levante David at ninety three. That's good. Better than Devin White. Some people don't see that. Um, given to Demario Davis, a PFF diehard. CJ Mosley a little high at eighty four. Um, but yeah. Nick Kwiatkowski at eighty one, who might not even be a starter for the Raiders this year. <laughs> which he is good though. I mean, he should be. He should be. He should be. Yeah. Um, 
Right. All right, last two positions here, cornerback and safety, and then we'll jump to the Bruce Feldman interview, the J Jeff Thomas interview, the Adazio interview, Jakari Roberson, talking to everyone in college football before things heat up, and before the rebrand. By the way, this rebrand's coming in. It's coming in hot. Logo approved by Mike Renner. Name <laughs> approved by Mike Renner. Chris, Neil, George, big shout-out to these guys getting this thing approved. This rebrand's going to be sexual. It's going to be violent, I'm and I am I'm stoked for it. That's, uh, that starts August 23rd. We're also going to do three episodes a week starting August 23rd. That's going to be an absolute treat. All right, cornerback. Trayvon Mullen of the Las Vegas Raiders is the same overall in 80 as Jamel Dean of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Legereus Sneed of the Chiefs. Two of those guys have played good football. If I was going to guess any position where you'd probably see the most absurdity, I do think that it would be corner. And I think where, where Madden gets back. away with things, though, is the top 10 is easy. You know, top you yeah. you can you can kind of like fluff the grades and fluff the things to get the top ten in a good place. What are we fluffing? I don't know what we're fluffing, but we're fluffing something. Okay. But once you get outside the top ten, you're kind of like paying less attention to the you know the Mullen versus Jamel Dean scores. Yeah. That's when things get you're a little like, dicey. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. wait a second, this guy's the same rating as this guy. We probably like Cole Beasley, AJ Brown. We might have fucked something up there. Like that's where like mm -hmm. I think that gets overlooked sometimes. Yeah, but that one's just. I mean, I get for the Raiders, you really couldn't can go as hard in on them as we traditionally do, but I, I don't see anything. Mullen just hasn't done anything to warrant an 80. Sorry, he hasn't. Besides, like, they just give that to starters, like the baseline for a starter. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Harris Jr., the same rating as Kyle Fuller and Marshawn Lattimore. I thought that was interesting. Um, William Jackson, better than JC Jackson. Another one. Bradley Roby in 84? That one fell high. Oh, my gosh. Jason Verrett and Kenny Moore and Bradley Roby are all 84s. Bouye getting wrecked. Carlton Davis in 83. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> um, jumping lastly, Derwin James is an 88 overall in this game. Not Same as Micah Hyde. Now. Micah Hyde's good. Micah Hyde's good. Deserves an 88. Derwin James, when he's healthy, is the best safety in the NFL. Just is. That's a cool graphic. So it's like either... You give him an injury tag and you say, whatever, I don't know what that would even do, but grade him, grade his attributes and what he brings to the table correctly, at least. Don't just like split the difference on that injury. Either he's hurt or, and he sucks worse than that. How in the hell are you going to go Derwin James is the most egregious when the third best safety in this game is Devin McCourty? Then McCourty's solid. Now that's, he's the that's, third best safety in this game. That's a little bit of a. I mean, that's a little bit of a. He's the best over. free safety in this game. It's it's basically saying he's a 92 that, overall, and he's the best free safety in the game. It's basically saying that last year was an aberration instead of a start of a decline. Now, could have been. If he was 28, you would say that, but he's 33. So I'm asking if he's the best free safety in the NFL. Two years ago, he was so, or in the mix. So, but I, I do think. Like I said, they're usually lean towards being late to declines. I mean, that's smart because, again, what, what matters? Yeah. You're not, you're not going to, like, names. drop Devin McCourty down to a 65 and then like, bring up some, like, guy who graded really well for PFF the last two years. And, like, yeah. hey, you got to try out this guy. No, I guess that – I mean, it makes sense. John Johnson in 86. Same as Kareem Jackson. How do you feel about that? Uh, not as egregious as Jerome James. All that's right. How I feel Fine about. enough. Fine enough. Fine right. enough. That's not even an expression. Fine enough. All right. That's going to do it. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I'm going to say that at the back end of the show as well. Let's jump to these interviews. Bruce Feldman, Jeff Thomas, Jakari Roberson, and Steve Adazio, the Colorado State head coach. And before you do, before you jump to those fantastic interviews, i got to let you know on something. 
I forgot to mention this. Homefield, baby. Homefield, new sponsor here at PFF. Proud sponsor of the 2-4 Drafts podcast. Homefield Apparel is a premium collegiate clothing brand out of Indianapolis. Incredibly comfortable, officially aligns apparel and vintage college designs. Homefield is the middle of is in the middle of big new Saturday. Season 2, where they launch a new school collection every Saturday at 12 p.m. Eastern for 16 weeks straight. They just recently released Kentucky, Wisconsin, and Florida. But this Saturday, we've got the Georgia Bulldogs. I got LSU and Texas at home. I ordered Aztecs. I ordered Florida. And I ordered, I believe, Texas A&M. I'm waiting to see if they can get some more coming around the corner. I think there's some teams I really, really like to get involved. I'm definitely going to be paying attention to big news Saturday as those continue to move forward. And if you want to get this gear... Use promo code PFF to get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com. That is promo code PFF for 15% off. Get ready for college football tailgate season with Homefield Apparel. Now joining the 2-4 Drafts podcast is current The Athletic writer Bruce Feldman, the guy behind the Freaks List, the 101-2021 Athletic Freaks List. Here is Christmas morning on this podcast, Bruce, when this list comes out, because it's honestly, and I think you hear scouts say this, you hear people that we work with in the NFL say this, it is such a fantastic resource to identify these literal freaks, these athletic freaks, specifically at those small schools, because everyone knows about Evan Neal, everyone knows about Derek Stingley and Linderbaum, these big names coming out of these big schools, but man, some of these small school kids, like Duggar was on this list a few years ago, that's where this thing really shows up. So Bruce, really great to have you back on the show. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate the kind words, too. Where I'd like to start, and I know Renner is going to hit on some some names here and some methodology, but I'd love to hear more and for the readers or listeners that don't know about your methodology, just how connected you are to all these strength coaches, to all these schools. When does this process start for you? I know it's probably a year-round process, but when does it really heat up? And I guess speak to your methodology and just how often you're talking to these coaches and these players. Yeah, it really ramps up a lot, probably in the last, I don't know, from April, beginning of April to whenever it runs. This year, we decided to run it, and I guess it was uh, August 9th when it went up. Usually, sometimes it's in late July. Um, but really, so I'll, I'll keep guys on kind of on my radar over the course of the football season if you hear of something or see something online. But for the most part... Uh, you know, I over, I've been doing this almost 20 years. I think it's like 17 or 18 years. And so I rely on a lot on football coaches, but also a lot on strength coaches and the, and the relationships I've kind of cultivated over the years. And so yeah, there'll be a handful of players who will reach out and then you try to verify what they say they've done. Cause now there's that nature of it. Uh, NFL scouts have been very, um, very helpful and, uh, Jim Nagy and the, his crew from the Senior Bowl have been especially helpful the last couple of years. I've had really good calls with them. And so it's a great way to cross-check things and hear are some different things. And, um, you know, really the strength coaches have been kind of a lifeblood of this, to be honest. And what has been really um, kind of a fun part of this is just, you know, sometimes there's a lot of stuff that you're just hearing on the fly and it takes on a life of its own a little bit where you may hear from some uh, in the last couple of years, especially, I think Duggar might have been the first non-FBS guy I had on there. And obviously he blew up and, you know, ended up getting drafted by the Patriots. And at one point, um, there's a there's a freak from his old school, Lenore Ryan, and, and I DM Duggar and we talked about him. And then I got to know some of the guys on the staff. So they talked about him. And then what you find is... I mean, Robert Rochelle, who's now here with the Rams. Um, I don't remember. I, I want to say he might have been a senior bowl guy, a heads up guy that, that yeah, he was. me. Um, 
But then I talked to Nathan Brown, who I've gotten to know, who's the head coach at Central Arkansas. And he was like, I got a receiver here you may want to look at. And so that's how it kind of it goes like that. Um, Jason Eck, who I've known for years, he's one of the better uh, coordinators in, in, in college football, really. But he's at South Dakota State. And I actually did one of his games a couple of years ago for Fox when they opened up against Minnesota. And I asked him, hey, do you have anybody? And he got back to me like over the weekend. He's like, yeah, we got a safety here who started out as division two walk on. And that guy is measurables match up with anybody, you know? So you see some of those where maybe they're a late bloomer. Maybe it, it depends on a lot of times I feel like it's late bloomer guys, but it's sometimes guys are just under the radar and, and maybe you wouldn't hear about them until maybe the East West shrine game, if they get into one of those or something like that. But that's just kind of how this thing has evolved over the years. You mentioned you kind of have to rely on your contacts and trust them. And that reminds me of when I think it was when Shane Ray back, maybe 2014, when you had him running reportedly a four, 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 40 at a 42 inch vertical. And then he comes out as pro day runs a four, six, eight and has a 33 inch vertical. Is there any time you felt like you've been sold a bill, a bill of goods on a guy by some strength coach, some, uh, you know, maybe DM where it didn't actually come to fruition. Uh, there's been a few, I mean, there's some schools that I'm a little more wary of with their numbers and there's others that I'm not, I mean, Penn state, like some of the numbers that come out of there, I had Saquon number one, I don't know, four years ago or whatever it was. And people would see numbers about Micah Parsons. They would see numbers about OA and some of these, you know, look what those guys in the Mike Gesicki, look yeah. what those guys ended up doing when they went to the combine, you know, people can, like I had this year, Aiden Hutchinson, number two, and there were some really remarkable numbers that one of the guys in their staff had passed along with me to me. You look at the numbers of I've had um, three years ago, we had Rashawn Gary, number one. And then last year, Quiddy pay. Look what those guys did when they went to their pro days or went to their, to their, um, to their combine. I mean, the, the first one I remember who was like, a, no way these numbers are made up was Margus Hunt. Who I don't know if you guys remember, but he was a yeah. uh, Estonian track star who ended up at SMU. Marcus Marcus Hunt almost matched those numbers at Indy. I mean, just the, the freak of all freaks. And so there are definitely some where um, I had a defensive lineman from from NC State who didn't get to work out, who was just you know super explosive athlete. And all the guys I know who are in that program were like, no, he's legit. But then I think he went to the went to the combine on his first forty, uh, you know, pulled his hamstring or got injured, and that was basically the the freak show didn't unfold there. So I mean, there's always some of them where you're like, okay, is this guy going to do this? And then there's, you know, I'll be honest, I didn't know about Byron Jones from UConn, you know, and he's what does he have the world record for the broad jump, you know, from what he did at the combine and just crazy freaky stuff. So there's going to be guys you're going to miss on on you know either side of that i don't think i had don terry poe doing exactly what he, you know going as freaky as he did but um you know it's kind of fascinating what you hear from inside of programs and then what what actually happens you know whatever it is a year or two later when they get to indy a specific name i want to bring up uh we i talked to his head coach jeff brown the purdue head coach uh, a couple couple weeks ago on this podcast but george Karloftis, who when i talked to him he didn't speak a ton to the 25 to 15 percent body weight he didn't speak to his 46940 what he did speak to and i think you you have it highlighted in here a bit it's just the work ethic 
This guy is an absolute lunch pail to work monster. And I guess from the anecdotes that you got from, you know, the people, you know, at Purdue or Carlotta's himself, how impressed were you with his kind of body of work? In addition to obviously the, the insane measurements. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, so Mark Hagan is his position coach and he's a guy I've known for a long time. Uh, I've been at different programs and, and he's been around some big time guys. And he said, just the preparation, the attention to detail. It's an hour of like hand-to-hand MMA drills. Then it's an hour of film study. Then it's an hour of like prehab and agility work. Um, so he is really training like a pro right now. Um, and so I think one of the cool things that's been about this is it's not just about the numbers and about the testing and the timing. You, some, you, you start to hear in a lot of them, some of the kind of the 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 lifeblood of how they get to be so freaky because of their how much they care how much they're into it and what they do to get to that level and he's definitely an example of that he was a huge recruit for Purdue had a big freshman year then they didn't have much of a year last year but um I expect him to have a huge year this year for them as well I want to bring up two guys that didn't actually make the list because when I was thinking about you know over the course of summer going through the top prospects thinking about guys who I would assume would be Top five, top 10 on this list. Derek Stingley came to mind. Kyle Hamilton came to mind. Those guys made it. Two that didn't, though, were Oregon's Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end there, and Texas A&M's Kenyon Green. Because watching them, to me, they were the best athletes at their respective position. Did you hear about either of those guys? Or where were you with both of them? Yeah, Thibodeau is definitely a guy. I mean, he's something somebody I spent a bunch of time with around Pac-12 media days a couple of weeks ago. Um, in terms of in terms of those guys, uh, you know, like there's a few guys at AM who I think I, I was in consideration on. It's just hard to keep this list to that. I mean, I had two guys from Oregon, uh, both like Thibodeau, but a little younger, were huge recruits for them. And Sewell's younger brother, Noah, as well as Justin Flo, just put up crazy numbers on the GPS. Um, it doesn't mean that, that Thibodeau's not going to really impress people when he actually gets through the NFL pro, you know, draft process. But um, those are the guys that really popped in terms of when I talked to people at Oregon in terms of just what it is for, for, you know, for this list. Yeah. Noah Sewell, those numbers were yeah. pretty absurd. And he's coming obviously with that. bloodlines, but a Sewell too. Um, the, the other person I want to bring up uh, the other player, Derek Stingley jr. You know, I was not, surprised to see him on this list he's number nine clock a four three forty yard dash six foot one one ninety three he's lost weight he's leaner he's meaner what i love here too listed at cornerback wide receiver and kick returner in the in the research that you did around stingley obviously looking at numbers how much did you talk to you know strength coach tommy moffett and lsu about how legit this is that stingley is going to play both sides of the ball yeah i mean look he he's a guy who they talked about this when he got there by his third year uh, that was the, that was the expectation. Okay. Really? Yeah. They think he can help him as a playmaker. I mean, in the return game, he's dabbled in it. I think they feel like with the ball in his hands, he's just a special athlete that he can make a difference for them right now. Keyshawn Butte had a big freshman year. I mean, remember they went from Jamar chase, the best receiver in college football. They had uh, Justin Jefferson and then Terrace Marshall had a nice year last year, albeit in a, you know, a chaotic year. And then they were down to really a lot of unproven guys and Butte really blossomed. He was a big recruit for them. He's the next one. But now I think, I think you will see some of Stingley as a complimentary guy and as a guy that opposing defenses are going to have to keep an eye on when he goes out there because he is a freaky athlete with just, you know, as you said, as 
you know, Tommy Moffat was the one who told me, he said he's lost 11 pounds since last year. And this is a guy who didn't have much, you know, much, much room to lose, but that's how committed he is to just being the best he can be. And somebody really close to Stingley, you know, he ran a 4-3-0 at a uh, Nike combine when he was going to be a senior in high school. And that person was like, he's going to, he's going to match, if not exceed those numbers when he gets through the draft process. So last year we asked you for a breakout player from the list and Sadly, you went with Journey Brown, whose career uh, forced to retire due to off-field injury issues. I'm going to give you another chance here. Who is your breakout player from this 2021 list, if you had to pick one? If I had to pick one, I'm going to go with Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Just everything I've heard from people inside that program is a huge chip on the shoulder to, to prove people about how special he can be. He had a really good year 2019, and then last year was injury-shortened. And it was just a chaotic year on a lot of fronts there. I think he can, you know, he can be a big factor. Mike McDonald comes in. He was with the Ravens staff. I think you'll see a little bit of a different scheme. He's one I would think has a chance to have a really, really big year. I'm not saying he's going to lead them to the Big Ten title. I won't go that far because I think they have <laughs> issues in the secondary and issues to sort out on offense. But I think he can be an All-American this year. I think people forget, too, when you turn on that Tristan Worst tape. I mean, Hutchinson was one of those guys that could actually go toe-to-toe with him. And I think, obviously, they've had such athletic freaks at Michigan that Hutchinson kind of gets underrated. Even Chase Winovich was a, was a more athletic than maybe people let on. Uh, a couple of players I want to bring up before, Mike, I think I have one more question for you. But Minnesota, talk to P.J. Fleck, and, man, could he rave about Boye Mafe and Daniel Falele. He feels that these guys, I think his words were, will put up some of the best numbers he's ever seen in Indy. When they get to Indy, they're going to put up some absurd numbers. Not surprised that both those guys, the offensive tackle Don, Daniel Falele and also the edge defender Boye Mafe, make what, the top 50 on this list? I guess speak to Flex enthusiasm around those two guys and, and kind of your expectations for them in 2021. Yeah, Mafe was a guy they expected a huge year from last year. Kind of got short-circuited a little bit. And he's, he was productive. I just think in terms of he's gotten bigger and bigger since he's been there. He didn't come in very big. I think he told me he was about 215. Now he's 263. Very explosive athlete, 40-plus-inch vertical. Uh, he has a chance to for a defense. Like, that was a bad year for them last year out of the gate. And I think they're counting on him to be a, to be a real difference maker for them now. On Falele, I mean, he was so raw when he came in from Australia. He really barely played high school football. They told me he was down about 30 pounds from, from where he was last year. Just much more athletic right now, in much better shape stamina-wise. I think that will help them a lot. And, uh, you know, they have a chance to, I think, be a lot better than be, people kind of gave up on them after last year. And everything I've heard from coaches I talked to on that staff, they feel pretty good. Like they're not, not necessarily going to sneak up on people like they did a couple of years ago when they had that run, uh, but they should be a lot better than they were last year. All right. So last question. We're here in Cincinnati. UC had three guys on your list. I believe that was tied for the most of any college in America. If they run the table, are they getting in the national? Are they getting the college football playoff? <laughs> I'd like to say they would have a real decent shot. So let's start with this. They didn't finish the deal last year by beating Georgia, but I think people watch those CFP reveals and were like, man, they're getting screwed on this deal. They're, but the problem for them last year was, and it was not their fault, they did not have any non conference games of substance in there. Now look what they got. They got Indiana, who I don't think Indiana was fluky at all last year. If they beat them, you know, Petnix Jr., that quarterback is back. I think they're still a really good team, and they have Notre Dame. Win both of those games on the road, 
they have a good chance because I think what you have from them is SMU should be good. I think UCF should be good. Those games are both um, in Cincinnati. What really will be critical for them is not only to win those games against, against Indiana and Notre Dame, but then they need those two schools to turn around and have really good years. I mean, if Notre Dame can be undefeated with the exception of that game, that would be a huge chip in Cincinnati's favor. The problem would be if Cincinnati beats both of those teams, and there's, I think there's a bye week in between those two road games for them, if they win those games and Indiana goes seven and five and Notre Dame goes nine and three, uh, you know, people are going to, the people in that room who are the people on the committee, they're not going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And it's fair or unfair, but it's, that's just the reality of where the power brokers who sit in that room are. I think this is a really good team. Seen Desmond Ritter uh, about a month ago out here. He was training with Jordan Palmer, big, big time athlete. He's one of those, one of those three freaks. And as I, you know, tweeted out today, I could have had seven guys on there. You know, they have a six, seven tight end. who was also training out here vertical jumps, 36 inches. Didn't have Trey Tucker on the list, but could have had him. Uh, Maje Sanders is a, is a, you guys know this. He's an elite edge rusher. Uh, Beavers on the other side is he's a linebacker, but he's just as big and almost as explosive. I mean, there's a, Luke Fickle has really, really upgraded the talent level since he took over. And I feel like this is, this is a great window for them, but they're going to need some help. They're not only going to win their games. They're going to need those other teams to bounce back and have really big years too. No, I'm glad you mentioned Luke Fickle. I think even if they don't make the college football playoff, what he's done to turn that program around has been nothing short of absurd. Like in terms of recruiting talent, and actually winning football games and putting Desmond Ritter in a position to succeed. Like you could argue he's had, he's been one of the most successful, if not the most successful you know, group of five coach over the past three, four years. Uh, Bruce, this has been fantastic. We really appreciate the time. Make sure everyone follow Bruce Feldman on Twitter. That's Bruce Feldman, F-E-L-D-M-A-N-C-F-B. And also we say this a thousand times, subscribe to The Athletic, man. I mean, it is worth it for the freaks list alone, but they also have a ton of other really good content. Bruce, really, thanks again. My pleasure. Thanks guys. Now joining the two for one drafts podcast is current Georgia Tech head uh, head coach quarterback Jeff Sims. I, mean, I said head coach because we've had Jeff on here. Um, Jeff, great to have you on the show. Yes, I'm glad to be here. Man, we are excited for Georgia Tech Georgia Tech football, and a big reason why is we had Jeff Collins on the show a couple weeks back, or maybe even a month back, and the energy this guy brings to every single conversation yeah. is absolutely absurd. What has been obviously now working with um, you know Jeff Collins for a couple of years now? What has been your in, you know, impression of Jeff Collins and how much do you think he's really helped Georgia Tech football? Yeah, Coach Collins, he's just a real genuine guy. You know, he brings energy to the room. He loves he loves to have fun. He loves his players. Um, he's had a big impact on a lot of our players. He's had a big impact on me, just um, just showing me that I have, I have to work for everything that I want and just showing everybody that we have to earn everything that we want and nothing is handed to us and nothing is guaranteed and just making sure that everybody feels loved the same. Um, you know, we in, we are an entitlement-free program, so he not he doesn't like to treat one person better than the other. So um, that's just something that um, that's great about him because he makes sure that the team is valued equally. He's also a big Atlanta guy. I know he's brought, you know, a significant movement to like representing Atlanta and making Atlanta a focal point in the you know, recruiting process. I know you're from Jacksonville. How has your acclimation to Atlanta been? Do you have, what, what are some of your favorite things about the city? Um, I just, it's really the views for me. Um, I really like to drive, like sometimes I'll go out at night and just drive around and see the view of Atlanta. 
But um, there's also a lot of great things to do here. Um, I don't start golfing, you know, that's just something that um, that I picked up on while I was here. But the food here is amazing. You know, um, anytime me and my roommates would go out and get something to eat, it's something great because we choose something different each time. But everything in Atlanta, it's just, it's just a nice place to be. Yeah. Who, who are your roommates? Um, Jalen Huff, Ryan King, and Miles Brooks. Gotcha. How, how's the how's the roommate life been? Have you been with the same roommates for two years now, or what? Uh, yeah. When I first got here, it was just it was me, Jalen, and Amari and Brown. But um, Amari left, and then Ryan and uh, Miles enrolled. But um, yeah, those are my brothers. You know, um, we just been together since they got here. Since we all got here, and we've been with each other since. Gotcha. You know, focusing back in on Georgia Tech offensive, you know, the Georgia Tech offense specifically, I mean, to know, I think, I think there's a lot of question marks around this receiving core at Georgia Tech. Everyone's kind of asking who's going to be the guy for Jeff Sims in 2021. Who are you going to be targeting the most and make, may, maybe be that focal point of the offense? Who right now are you working with the most and who are you most looking forward to, I guess, connecting with all season long? Um, really, all my receivers, you know, they've all been putting in a great amount of work this offseason, getting in the indoor with me and just having these sessions where we throw and work on timing. So I feel like all of them are going to have a great year this year, and I'm going to connect with mostly all of them. And um, we just they're just going to be powerful as a unit. Georgia Tech also loaded in the backfield. Running back room is is loaded with talent. I'd be interested in bringing the focus back to you. You know, what do you feel kind of is that next step in your development? I think I saw a piece recently talking about how you've improved, you know, moving the defense and, and your football IQ has improved so much. Is it, What's that next step now? What do you feel like is going to be different about your game in 2021? And I guess, how do you get there? Um, it's really just going out there and playing with the confidence that I know, like, I, I know, like, what I can do. And I know where my strength comes from and just going out there and having fun, you know, not thinking about messing up or having playing a perfect game, just going out there and playing a game of football. So much of the game is confidence. I think at every position, I think I talked to a handful of coaches and, you know, you, you talk about corner, offensive line, edge defender, quarterback, playing with confidence, specifically in those critical, you know, fourth quarter situations is honestly what separates, you know, the great from the good for sure. I'd be interested here too, yeah. kind of what do you feel is that strength for you that kind of separates you from other quarterbacks? Is it that rushing ability? Is it the arm talent? What do you feel is kind of like your market identifier? What really separates you from the rest of this group here? Um, I just feel like I'm a versatile player. You know, I feel like I can do it all. Um, uh, I, I feel like I have one of the best arms in the class, and then I feel like I'm the, one of the most explosive quarterbacks. So I just feel like um, there's just a lot of things that I can do, and all that strength comes from God, you know. And I'm just, just, happy, just blessed to be gifted with those abilities. And then uh, if you could add to what, where do you feel like is your biggest area to improve? I know, obviously, you know, you want to improve in a lot of different areas, but what are you kind of most identifying to improve this upcoming year? Um, mostly my mental game, um, just going out there and playing free minded and going out there and just um, going out there without thinking a lot and knowing that I prepare for this. And really, another thing is preparation, just preparing better and getting a routine with that. So yeah, I, I was going to press Alara a little bit. What has been kind of your preparation routine, specifically in the film room? You know, what do you prioritize mm -hmm. when you are turning back on the film, when you're looking at an opponent defense or even watching film back on yourself? I, I'd be interested to hear how much, you know, how much are you watching film? What are you looking for on film? All that stuff. Yeah, I try to watch film almost every day just to get those mental reps in. And most of the times I'm either watching film from last year 
um, just to evaluate things that I did wrong last year and um, just go over those notes. And then sometimes I'm watching um, NFL cutups just to see how those NFL quarterbacks handle their game and manage the game. And then the majority of the time I'm watching the defense cutups just to get a clear view of what defenses will be in and the characteristics of them. And just to see like everything that the defense will do that try to get me, you know? Yeah. Last question for you here, Jeff. I really appreciate the time. What are kind of your ultimate high level goals for this upcoming season for yourself and for Georgia tech football? To win. That's the biggest goal. That's the biggest thing that's been on my mind and my team, my, my team's mind is just to win and have a explosive season and just go out there and shock the world. Hell yeah, man. Shock the world. Love that. Love that. Really appreciate the time, man. Have a good one. Yes, sir. Now joining the two for one drafts podcast is current Wake Forest wide receiver Jacari Roberson. Great to have you on the show, my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks Dude, for having we, me. we need to talk about this year. I mean, you enter the 2020, 2020 season, COVID impacted season with 13 career receptions there at Wake, and you absolutely explode. 92.3, 92 92.6 PFF grade this past year, an absolute monster season for Wake Forest in what was an abbreviated year. 926 yards, eight touchdowns. What all went? Did you know you were going to take off in 2020? And I guess what all went into kind of that breakout season for you? Um, you know, it, it was COVID, so, you know, we were dealing with that. Um, you know, I wasn't sure if we were going to have a season, you know, kind of off and on throughout the whole season. But, you know, going into the season, you know, we lost a star receiver, uh, Sage Surratt. And, you know, um, we just kind of had guys in the room that um, were really just guys and, um, you know, didn't have any experience when they fell. You know, I've been there for, for about three years before that. Uh, so, so I knew I had to, you know, step up. I was the older guy in the room. Um, you know, it was just more of, you know, leadership thing. You know, I, I knew once I had the opportunity, uh, I was I was going to perform pretty well. Um, but, you know, it was just it was a great experience and it was it was really, really fun, you know, being able to play out there, you know, being comfortable. Um, but, you know, at the stage left, it was just, you know, it was go time from there. And I had to I had to be at my best ability. And uh, something I'd also be interested in is going into this season, obviously played 76% of the snaps this past year from the slot. And early in the year, you're playing almost exclusively from the slot, but then later started to get more opportunities on the outside. Do you imagine your role changing significantly in 2021? Do you think you'll get more reps on the outside or is the plan to still use you and uh, primarily from the slot? Um, I think, yeah, going into it for sure. I'll, I'll still be a, a slot receiver, um, you know, depending on how the year go, you know, how guys stay up, uh, you know, I might do some rotating, might be a little bit outside. Um, but, you know, it's good to, you know, you know, get a little bit of both. You know, um, so I'm very excited, you know, for, for what's in store for the 2021 season for sure. Something I find, you know, fascinating about your game specifically is even on a high average depth of target, you're consistently, you know, getting targeted down the football field, 10.4 average depth of target this past season. You're still forcing a ton of missed tackles and gaining a ton of yards after contact, or after contact and after the catch. Is that something that you prioritize, you know, when you're game planning? Or I guess, where do you see that as the strength? Is, is that like a notable strength for your game? Or are there other things that you feel like you're better at? Um, certainly, yeah, you know, I think um, I'm, I'm a better at other things, uh, but I think that's one thing that really sticks out um, with me. Uh, you know, you, you do a lot of prep before the game, um, you know, figuring out defenses, figuring out where the spots you can get them at. Uh, and I think our coaches really do a good job of, you know, presenting that to us, you know, during the week. Um, so it makes it a little easier, you know, when game time come and, you know, they're, the defense not really expecting what, what, what you're going to do. And it, it definitely makes it a lot, a lot easier. And, 
you know, I just try to find those holes, you know, try to, you know, catch the ball, break tackles, you know, get yards after the catch, um, what would really need, you know, explosive plays, win games. And, you know, our coaches live by that, and then they try to engrave that into the players and, you know, just go out there and you execute. And where do you feel like the biggest opportunity for your game to improve is, I guess, or what are you prioritizing this offseason to get better at ahead of 2021? Um, so I've been working on, you know, little things, you know, being fast, you know, being a little quicker on your feet, um, getting in and out of breaks, you know, catching catching those um those um low balls. Um and I just been working on the little things, you know, timing with um Sam Hartman. Um most importantly, you know, you know, being a better leader, um, for 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 the younger receivers in the room, you know, just trying to guide them and um be there and support them, you know, making sure they know the in and out is just as good as I do. Um, and, you know, just being consistent, you know, throughout all 12 games, uh, 13 games, you know, we only played nine last year and then COVID we had almost a month off and, you know, I wasn't as strong as I was the game before I left. So, you know, just being consistent, being the same person every day going into practice. Yeah. So that's interesting. What weight did you play at this past season? I guess, what are you aiming to play at this upcoming year? Um, you know, so I think I played very consistent last year at like uh, 183. Um, I was there for throughout the year. You know, I wanted to get my weight up to about 190, but you know, I don't know how I was gonna, you know, be able to yeah be able to run, you know, with that weight. Um, so I'm thinking like around 180, 187, 188 um range this year. Um, that's the goal. I've been shooting for that. You know, but with all camp and all the running, I have to be able to maintain that weight. Uh. But we shall see. Adding weight can be tough, man. Absolutely. Especially for someone who is obviously working out as often as you are. I'm interested here. You're obviously a veteran receiver here at Wake Forest. You've probably had a lot of opportunities to kind of perfect your film study process. And in a given game week, I'd be interested to hear kind of what your process is when you're you're looking at an opposing defense or an opposing corner and and what you look for specifically before you enter that game. Um, Yeah. So, you know, going into the week, um, coaches put together a little scouting report on uh, each guy. But, um, Mostly I'm against the safe, the strong safety or, you know, the nickel back. But, um, you know, I try to, I try to, you know, get in the film room with uh, my quarterback at least like two or three times a week um, just to kind of go over specifically me, slot position and the safety and the nickel, um, you know, just to get more details with him. Um, and then I, I kind of focus on that one individual or two individuals and, you know, just kind of, Personnel-wise, you know, to know what they're doing, uh, they backpedal and um, see what they're good at and see what they're bad at and see where I could beat them at. Have you had any opportunities to go back and watch film of yourself from this past season? And if so, kind of what did you pick up from that experience? Yeah, I mean, I probably I probably watched, you know, every single ball I catch, every single ball, I, you know, I dropped or every single play, um, probably about three or four times. And it's interesting because um, – you know, when you're watching yourself, you're like, wow, like, you know, you could have you could have done this differently. <laughs> you you got to get your conditioning up. You know, you, you're tired right here. You know, that's not good to put on film. Um, and then you want to you know, you you don't want to look like that. You want you want to correct those mistakes and you want to be a, a lot better, you know, on the on the back end or whenever you get the, another opportunity. You know, you just don't want to put those put those bad plays on film. You want to just try to be the same. Uh, or do you have any opportunities to watch film on NFL guys or even like old college players? Do you like ever try to pick up, you know, pick bits and pieces from other players' games? Yeah, definitely. You know, I watch a lot of um, Stefan Diggs. I watch a, a lot of uh, Keenan Allen. 
Um, Devontae Adams, uh, his release is off the line, you know, are impeccable. And, you know, it's, it's just exciting, you know, seeing those guys at that level, you know, being consistent, you know, every single play. And, um, you know, I try to try to relate that into my game and, and understand that that is a very important part of the game. So I got to be honest. I, I, I talked to a ton of receivers. I feel like every single one watches Stefan Diggs. I think Diggs needs to know that, man. I, I got to get Diggs on this podcast. Like, dude, every single person looks up to you, my friend. That's awesome to hear. I think the, the last piece I have for you, Jakari, I really appreciate the time. You know, um, this is going to be a hotly contested AC's top ACC receiver battle in 2021. Obviously, Justin Ross of Clemson is a really talented receiver, and there's a handful of others. Are you Is, are, is one of your goals to kind of be that best receiver in the ACC, compete with guys like Ross and the others? Yeah, certainly. You know, you want to be at the top of the top. Um, you know, I think I really have a, a really good opportunity, a good chance, you know, just go out there and produce. You know, Justin Ross is a good receiver, and, and I hope he have a really great year coming off this injury. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to compete. We're going to go at it, you know, try to put up the same numbers. Um, going to be a very effective receiver series in the ACC together. But, um, you know, we got some great guys out there in the league. Um, we have the receiver for uh, – BC is going to be really good. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we're going to have a good receiver core this year um, throughout the ACC for sure. Hell yeah, man. Well, I really appreciate the time, and I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Yep, thank you. Have a good day. Now joining the 241 Drafts podcast is current Colorado State head coach Steve Adazio. Steve, great to have you on the show. Well, great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, man. Where I'd like to start, honestly, is with this this offense. I, I really do think first year first year offense coordinator John Budmeyer coming in. I'd love to hear what you feel and coming from Wisconsin, he's going to bring to this offense. And I know you have some you know some turnover not turnover at the quarterback position, but with Centeno there, what is Budmeyer going to do for this offense for Colorado State? And I guess speak to kind of the expectations you have for him and this offense. Well, I think John is extremely like minded. You know, coming from Wisconsin. We had a lot of similar philosophical views. Uh, he's very familiar with our run game. Um, and, and I think we just matched philosophically uh, extremely well. A great deal of trust in John and his thoughts. He's a bright, bright guy, really good quarterback developer. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm quite excited. I, I especially like his teaching progression in the throw game and the way that he presents that I think is exceptional. So uh, I think it's going to be just a really great blend here. And also with him, also working with Todd Centeno there, speak to that relationship that they've developed, that connection. I know uh, Bud Meyer has mentioned some Russell Wilson comparisons coming from Wisconsin. I know he's also said his accuracy needs to improve. But what, what's the update on kind of their relationship and, and that development there? I think it's great. And I think that John's done a great job with Toddy in terms of really working on, 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 you know, one of the things we wanted to really do is really make sure that, uh, you know, Toddy is, is, is a complete student of the game. I mean, the relentless, it's not just come here and, 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 and John presents, it's the pursuit of excellence. You know, quarterback is, is, is gotta be continually working at the game, a student of the game. Um, and, and, and just that development in that area of complete knowledge, you know, we feel like when you know it, when you really know it and you can spit it back and draw it, then you can play fast. And that, that, that's been a big piece. And, and of course, I think John's great at simplifying the game, slowing it down so that guys can play fast. And along with that, I think comes accuracy, comes confidence, comes some other things that I think 
uh, Tati's made unbelievable strides with him. He has tremendous dual threat physical skills as a runner and a thrower. He's got a great arm. And uh, we saw that a year ago. I mean, we were in, in, and he's got good leadership traits. So we're very, very excited about Toddy. Um, and then I think there needs to be great competition. You know, we brought in Matt Valecci here from Boston College. And I think Matt will provide Matt as a relentless uh, preparer and has great talent and physical skills as well. And I just think that competition brings the best out in everybody. So uh, our starter, uh, Toddy Centeno, um, we are very, very excited about him and feel like he could have a breakout year. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, he's also going to benefit a ton from having two of the most talented pass catchers in the Mountain West, if not the group of five, Trey McBride, the tight end there, and Dante Wright, the wide receiver. I know a handful of our analysts are really high on both of these guys. I guess speak to the expectations you have for them. And I guess, you know, what's the ceiling for this duo? I I really do think McBride and Wright could be the talk of the Mountain West as far as pass pass catchers go. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, I think Trey is an, a proven player. He's an NFL player. He's, he's, he's the, he might be the best tight end in the country, not the conference, but the country. And I think you'll see evidence. I always make, when I make those statements, I look at it through the eyes of, you know, will he be a first round, second round draft pick? Um, and yeah, he will be. Um, so he's done it on the field. He's got a tremendous ceiling. He's uh, one of the toughest guys I've been around. He's got tremendous ball skills. He's as, He's as dangerous as a receiver as he is as a blocker. That's really hard to find. And uh, he's an elite player for sure. Dante, I tell everybody, I think Dante Wright is the best long ball tracker that I've seen since Marvin Harrison when I was at Syracuse back in the day. I mean, he is a long ball tracker. He just has this ability to run under balls and catch them. Um, And that's a skill. I think he's elite. Um, And then, a guy you didn't mention, there's a couple guys, but, you know, we're not going to, we can't talk about everybody, but, you know, Cam Butler missed last season because of an Achilles tear. He's a tight end. I think he'll be an NFL tight end. He has elite skills in the receiving game and in the blocking game. And no one's talking about him. And I get it because, you know, he missed last season with an Achilles injury. But having said that, watch out because he's another big body guy that has elite ball skills. And so those are mis, you know, what are mismatches? Those are mismatches. So they'll, they will exist uh, there. And then, you know, um, our backs are all really, you know, have good ball skills. David's got elite ball skills. I can tell you that right now. Um, so, you know, you look at, you say guys that can, you know, uh, play at the next level that can score. How do they score? They can score in the run game. They can score in the pass game. All those guys can score, including Toddy Santeo, because he can beat you with his legs. Mm-hmm. Before we jump to David Bailey, who I'm, I'm really excited to talk about as well, I'd love to hear, you know, with that much talent, you know, you speak to McBride, you speak to Butler, Wright, I guess, how, what, what, that's obviously a challenge, a good one to have for Bud Meyer to factor all these guys into the offense. You know, I guess, you know, with where college football and the NFL is going, you know, adding more skill players on the football field, running more four and five wide sets, you know, are, is the plan to spread the ball out and get these guys the football early and often? I guess, how, how does Bud Meyer overcome that challenge of making sure these guys get their touches? Well, you're right. It is about touches. That doesn't mean our, you know, we have a different philosophy here. We'll play in 12 personnel, but we'll spread the field with 12, you know, um, you know, more, more receivers doesn't mean you're going to score more. It's players that can score. 
right? You want, you want guys that can score and they come in all different styles. So, um, you know, our challenge that we chart is, I think everybody should, and most people do, is how many touches is so-and-so going to get on a given day or in a given game? And making sure you have targeted calls that are going to get the balls in the hands of the best playmakers. That's our goal. That's, that's what it's all about. That's what, that's what you know, we want to do. And, and do you have enough of those guys? I've been in those meetings where you're like, I mean, we don't have enough, not enough conversation <laughs> about enough people. And that's scary. So that requires a whole nother line of thinking, but we, we do have playmakers and we do have guys that, can, that, that are explosive, that can score touchdowns and can, you know, make an impact on a game. And, and it's our job to make sure that they're in position to allow them to do what they do best. You know, let's talk more about your guy, the running back, David Bailey, transferring over from Boston College, six foot, six foot, 240, an absolute monster, a bruising back for Colorado State. Talk about touches. I'm sure he's high on the priority list. I think you've had high praise for him as well. Best back in the conference, maybe up there with some of the best backs in the country. Well, David had proved it on a big stage in the ACC. It's not like it's a projection. He's done it. Um, and uh, he's an elite player. Uh, there's no question about it. And the, the beautiful thing is we have a bunch of really good players in the backfield right now. You know, uh, uh, Marcus McElroy and AJ uh, and, and uh, uh, um, uh, we have uh, uh, Vivens in our background and uh, in our backfield. Um, so we've got some guys, you know, uh, that I just think are electric, right? Like I, I think, I think Marcus is a big, strong back. He's got good speed. And I just think, you know, Vivens is electric. And then you have David that can do it all. So it's not like, you know, because you need you you can't just play with one back, right? That's if if you have a if you play with one back, that, that's one thing. But when you have, you know, three, four backs, you can keep a guy that has, you know, a lot of ability fresh and other guys can score. Uh, you know, I, I just really feel like, you know your backfield gets enhanced. So, yeah, I mean, you know, David's a, David's a, a pro back will be drafted high. Mm -hmm. I mean, embarrassment of riches there in the backfield for Colorado state. I want to pivot the focus too to the offensive line. I know in your first year, you brought over some transfers from Boston college to really bring that offensive line forward. You know, the challenge of bringing a legit, you know, ACC caliber offensive line to Colorado state, how has that development gone? And obviously <laughs> having that background, being an offensive line coach in, in college football for so long, you know, I, I'd be interested to add a second piece to that question. And what do you feel is kind of the most important when you are developing offensive line talent at the collegiate level, how do you progress offensive linemen forward and take guys that are, you know, three, four, five star recruits, but turn them into legitimate technical starters, you know, technicians at the collegiate level? Well, I've had a chance in my career to be involved with guys that have been rated pretty high and you can develop them and they can become first round draft picks. And then, of course, at places where you're not getting um, big star numbers, but you're bringing them in. And, I mean, I like Chris Lindstrom at Boston college. I mean, he had no stars, but he's a first round draft pick. So I just think that with the guys up front, first thing you have to do is establish a culture up front. And it has to be a really tough uh, love ball passion for the game, uh, a real tough uh, culture, a culture that believes in fundamental toolbox and all those types of things. Once you establish that work ethic, that culture, that toughness, then it's the day-to-day -day development of those fundamental skills. I'm a believer that the offensive line can be made. And, and I think that's the beautiful thing. 
And, uh, you know, you can take a low, a small, a lightly recruited guy and develop him in the first round pick, just like on the flip side that I see a lot today in college football, where some highly talented guys to me are underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. They're not very productive. I think that's one of the most important positions on your team. You know, uh, we have a great young line coach in, in Louis Adazio, and uh, he's just done a phenomenal job. And one of the things that's great for us here, for me, is the ability in my whole career, I've always had a guy that's played for me, GA'd for me, you know, guys that are uh, understand exactly the way I want it done, from the terminology to the details of the fundamentals, so that I can insert myself and I'm not counterproductive. So I think it's been, and so we end up with two line coaches a lot of times. And I just think that it gives us an opportunity. I, I believe that we can really develop an offensive line. And I believe we've done that here. I think one of the biggest areas of improvement you're going to see in this football team is that this line is going to be a physical, uh, explosive offensive line that, 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 that will be able to pick up pressures, adjust the movement and handle multiple defensive schemes. So uh, it all starts up front, both sides of the ball. Yeah. We're going 100%. to be greatly improved up front on offense. And of course, I think we have the best front seven on defense in the league. Fantastic to hear, Coach. Really excited to see that for Colorado State football. Before I let you go, one more question. You brought up this before we started recording here. You got the best punter in the country there at Colorado State, Ryan Stonehouse. Yes. Give the guy some love. You No doubt. No doubt. The biggest fear I have with Ryan, I tell everybody, is first time, like this guy, he reminds, you know, he, you know, he, he outkicks the coverage. And so what happens is you get distorted and your lanes break down. Sometimes you give those great returners a chance to kind of get started on the return on, on the coverage unit. He's so, he flips the field all the time. I mean, McManus for the Broncos, I had him at Temple and he was like that. I mean, the guy was, he changed, the, he, he flipped the field. So that he's an unbelievable weapon. And uh, um, yeah, he's, he's elite for sure. No doubt about it. Really appreciate the time, Coach. This has been awesome, and uh, I really wish you the best of luck moving forward. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Excited to be back to college football. <sighs> wow. Absolutely loaded show. Really appreciate everyone who stayed on to listen to every single interview, all freaking whatever this thing was, probably two, three hours of content. Uh, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Big shout-out to Mike Quinn, producer Max Chadwick, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, two-for-one drafts.